right, everybody, we are here with pastor and evangelist Max Basarab. I wouldn't call myself a pastor, evangelist. I'll just call myself a servant of Christ. Oh, so pastor. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you want to say that, but yeah, I'm just a servant of Christ. Yeah, we don't like titles. And that's exactly how you get it. It's everyone that doesn't want it that gets it. All right, Max, I'm excited to have you on here. This is my good friend. We went through Bible school together. Mm-hmm. And even more than that, we we just have so many stories of being together, going on evangelisms, going on missions, Africa. And now what God is doing in his life is just, it's really encouraging for me myself. So we're going to dive into it a little bit. Um, I've personally seen you, I mean, we grew together. I felt like so much when we were in Bible school together, yeah. when we were, you know, just a bunch of kids. And yeah. now doing the Walmart evangelism, <laughs> just hey. going on those random evangelism runs. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. Walmart times, those are good times. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but that should never change. Yeah, and it's crazy how God has grown both of us, uh-huh. even after internship. Like, I think internship was that, you know, the first part of our growth, but God has been taking both of us That's where it just started. Yeah. Uh, and our mindset is always supposed to be like, if I'm going to get some milk, that's not my main mission. I'm going to get some milk, but there's a couple of souls along the way, you know? Oh, yeah. That's Life has become a mission for me. Mm-hmm. Like, everywhere I go, I'm always thinking about what God wants me to do next. Mm-hmm. Like, God, what is the next person I could begin to evangelize to? Who is the next person I could go pray for healing? Mm-hmm. Like my life is no longer about myself anymore, but it's all about Jesus and what he wants to do through me. Yeah, there it is. Being that open vessel, let it leak through to others. Yeah, I remember that was probably one of my biggest even take like during class in internship. I remember where teacher was talking about, he was like, why is it that you go on missions and you see so many healings you see the miraculous you see so much and then people are like yeah but then you come home and there's just nothing you yeah. know and he's like well he's like i thought about it too because i realized it's true in my life too mm-hmm. and he's like i realized that when you when we go out there on missions we create such a huge expectation like yeah oh god is gonna heal we're gonna do this we're gonna be so bold we're gonna step out we're gonna see this there's this expectation and we're so open to it and we go after it and we see it but then you come home, you don't have that mindset at home, let's be honest. So when you come home, you go to the store, you're just living your life, you're just chilling, you don't have that mindset at all. Yeah. And then he said, if we want to see what we see out on missions, our mindset needs to be, hey, I'm on a mission no matter where I'm going. Yeah. I'm going to the store to buy something, but hey, there's a bigger mission that I'm on. I, I, I'm going to go you know, to school, to class, but there's souls all around me. I'm going to go to work. But every single person there is a mission field. Yeah, That's your mission field. That needs to be our mindset everywhere we go. People are always like, I can't wait till I go to Africa. I can't wait till yeah. I go to, you know, whatever, some other country to start doing missions. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm like, I can't wait the moment I wake up. Because oh, the moment I wake up, that's when I actually, missions actually begins mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Like for me, before I started, you know, doing any kind of missions, my mission has always been wherever I'm placed in my life. Right. And honestly, right now, even in my life, my main mission right now, I wouldn't even say what I'm doing right now, uh, like the natives for, for Christ. But right now, my main mission is actually my workplace mm-hmm. because I'm there, you know, the, most of my week. And right. I feel like God has placed me there for a season so that I can, you know, impact people yeah. over there. Yeah, it's like 
if if I'm living this life every single day, no matter where I am, if I'm living this life at work, how much more obviously is it going to leak out when I'm out on missions? Obviously, it's going to, you know, be that much more exponential when I'm, you know, out and, you know, Yakima preaching to the Indians when I'm out there, you know, in in Africa preaching to the natives there. That that should be an overflow of the life that we're living here. Yeah, and I I do know I do understand what like what it, like the two of us we I feel like we needed to go to Africa see what it was like experience that you know that that level of you know the spiritual realm and moving on the giftings of the Holy Spirit yeah. f- to almost even encourage us more to step out. We needed you know that moment, but it all should come to this realization of hey my life. It needs to be a tra- transformed here where I am. Yeah, my life needs to be transformed, and it needs to, you know, I need to have this transformed life everywhere that I go now. Yeah, I remember after leaving Africa after one of our missions, I'm like, man, that trip was so good. I'm like, I can't wait, you know, till I go back to Africa. Mm-hmm. But then God began to reveal to me, He's like, you don't have to wait till you come back to Africa. Right. He's like, because what you were doing in Africa is you were serving me. Mm-hmm. Serving God is not limited to being in another country, mm-hmm. but it's, it's uh, like serving God is available to us wherever we go. Exactly. So. We're vessels wherever we are. We have his spirit without measure. There's plenty to go wherever we are. Yeah. I was remembering even recently that when we were out in Walmart, do you remember that time with that? Oh yeah. I think I know which one you're talking with, about. Um, yeah. What was, I, I forgot his name. This was, this was a while ago actually already. It was kind of the older guy. Yeah, the older. Yeah, we we did like a what's it called? Didn't we did a? Wasn't it a treasure hunt? Yeah, we did a treasure. We did a treasure hunt, and we're walking, and we're like, "Oh, that's him! That's who Holy Spirit highlighted to us." We come up to him, and he's like, "Nah, I don't care. I don't want anything." Yeah, and he's like, "Why don't you pray for my wife?" We're like, "What's her name?" <laughs> he's like, yeah, she's in the hospital. She's in, she, yeah. she's in urgent. Uh, no, she was like in critical condition. She was in the E, not, um, it wasn't ER. She was in the IC. What is it, ICU? ICU. Right? Yeah, she was yeah. in ICU critical condition. She fell down the stairs, gashed her head, broke her foot. So like, why don't you go pray for my wife? We're like, okay, where is she? He's like, she's in the ICU, fourth floor. Room this, we're like, I'm writing it down. He's like, "What are you doing?" We're like, "We're gonna go pray for your wife." <laughs> He's like, oh, "Are you serious?" We're like, "Yeah." He's like, "No, no, no, she's fine." What do you? No, she's fine. What do you guys want? <laughs> yeah, and you remember he's he thought that we want to ask him to buy beer for us. Yeah, he's like he's like, "What do you want? You guys want me to buy you some beer?" Yeah. We're like, "Not nah, like because yeah, when people see us like young people, they don't expect us to be you know exactly. evangelizing and serving God. They expect us to be partying, drinking, and just being you know yeah. in the world." That's happened several times during evangelism where they're literally like, like, what's the catcher? What do you want? Like a young kid is not going to be telling me about Jesus. Kids do not care about this right now. And the fact that you as a young person step out to share the gospel with somebody that the fact alone that you stepped out, even if somebody pretends like, or if they just blow you off, like, no, I don't care. Like, I don't want it. But I believe that even as they're walking away, they're kind of like, why is this kid why did he take the time to like try to tell me that? Why does he care about it? And even that is already planting seeds. When they see that, just that you stepped down the boldness that you had mm-hmm. to even try to begin to share it with them, even if it seems like their heart was closed, I, that that already opens the door for them to think like, like wh- wh- why does he care? Why, why did he want to share that with me? You know, and so 
Yeah, that's happened several times. Like, oh, you just want money. You do want because uh, our uh, our our intro was always like, "Hey, uh, my name is Sam, and I'm a Bible school student." And they're like, "Oh, you just want my money, right?" Yeah. But I mean, and the and the thing is, if I'm honest, I remember that evangelism as being probably the first time when you and I went out there with. This was after internship, actually. So it wasn't. Th- this wasn't even required evangelism for us at the time. I remember. Oh, yeah, okay. We just texted each other like, "Hey, let's go out there. Let's just evangelize real quick." And I remember in my heart, I was like, "I'm not trying to go out there and talk to as many people as possible. I need to choose one person and love on them to the best of my ability." Because normally, like, it would look like we would come up to him. He's like, "Oh, like being yeah. all passive aggressive doesn't care. We would just be like, oh, well, we'll pray for you and just move on to the next person." But here, I remember it was like, "Hey, like, where's your like?" Where's your wife? We're actually going to go. Yeah. And we went, we got flowers. We went all the way out there yeah. to the hospital. I remember trying to hunt down her room. <laughs> we went up there like, hey, we're here to see uh, Linda. She's should be in this room. And she's like, the lady at the um, front desk, like, oh, no, she's not here anymore. We're like, what do you mean? It's like, this was the exact directions he told us. Like, like, do you have a last name? We're like, no. Um, like, are you, are you related to her? No. Sorry, I can't help you. We're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> we were like sitting there and the, like that. trying to figure out what we're going to do, trying to get another like a word of knowledge or something, what room she's in. <laughs> we were like sitting there trying to figure it out. I don't think just figuring out what room she was in. We we're trying to figure out her last name too. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you want to share about oh, yeah. that. <laughs> I was like, okay, first last name that comes to your head. That's the last name. Oh my goodness, dude. It was like, <laughs> oh, like okay, it was like three of us. We're like, all right, first, last name that comes to your head, and then we'll just all say it at the same time. We're like sitting there. We're like, what'd you get? Like, what'd you get? <laughs> and all of us, we just like share what we got, and we're like, dude, this is so dumb. What are we doing? I forgot, is, oh, what'd you say? What'd you think of? I, you forgot, I think, oh, I think I said Stark. You're like, you think this is Iron Man's wife or something? Stark? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Oh I thought goodness. I said Stark and then you L- said L- Linda Sanders. Stark. Oh yeah, and then there was Sa- yeah. Linda Sanders, Linda Stark. <laughs> hey, it had a, it had a ring to it. And it's, so we're trying to figure out like how do we get in? And then we just kind of start laughing at each other. We're like, what a fail! Like that's kind of what it felt like. We're like, we got these flowers. We came all the way out here to visit this uh, lady, and then all of a sudden, like, okay, never mind. And, we're, and I was like, okay, she was in ICU. Where do you get transferred after ICU? So we looked up online, like, where do you get transferred from ICU? And then, I don't know. We're like, okay, let's go there. We get in the elevator, we just get out, and bam. There's the the man we met at Walmart. He's standing right there at the bottom of the elevator. Crazy. And you, you should have seen his face when the elevator opened up. He was, i never seen such joy in my life. He was literally like, his face lit up when he saw us. He's like, you guys actually came. Yeah. He was like, genuinely like, are you serious? He's like, and you got flowers. He's like, I didn't even get my wife flowers. Are you kidding me? He's like, let's go. And now he just, again, just the fact that he sees that we actually went through with this, like we're actually doing this for yeah. real. His heart was already so happy and rejoicing. And then we go up with him, come up to the same <laughs> ladies. Like, hey, I'm here to see my wife, Linda, uh, says everything. She's like, oh yeah. So she got transferred over to this room. He was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and then we... Yeah, we walked into that room. Oh, man, I'll never forget that. We came in there, and you just see, like, she was, like, kind of in pain. And then she sees it, and she starts smiling. She's like, oh, who are these? We're like, hey, we're just here to bless you, to pray for you. We have some flowers. Like, we like we didn't have this agenda, like, oh, we're going to heal her. We're going to we're gonna do this. Like, 
I mean, like, it's obviously something that you want, but I remember we were were genuinely just like, hey, we just got to show genuine love to this guy and go through with it. Yeah. And that's enough for the Holy Spirit. We weren't just doing it just to share, you know, this testimony once we get back. But we actually, we genuinely cared for this guy's um, life. Yeah. And like, I remember we were just kind of talking, talking, talking with her. She's like, she ended up being a believer. I I like... So you guys were kind of off to the side talking to him a little bit. Yeah. And I'm talking to her and I'm like, hey, yeah, we just came across your husband. We were trying to share the gospel with him. And she ended up being a believer. She's like, I've been praying for him for such a long time. Like, I want, you know, his heart open. And it, it, and so talking like that to her and it was already like we just see the fruit of like his heart is just like the Lord is knocking on his heart. Like when he sees like a true, genuine love. Like, it just opens his heart even more. And I remember when we were at Walmart, actually, I remember I was like, are you open to receive the gospel? And he's like, well, since my wife is in the hospital, he's like, I think I'm more open to receive now. I, I remember he, him saying that too. And so then, you know, we, we kind of stopped. And we're like, okay, so when we were, like, about ready to leave, I was like, okay, well, obviously you're, um, obviously you're in pain, Linda. And she's like, no. She's like, the moment you guys walked in, all pain left in my body. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, the, this was like just that for, first time I experienced where, you know, in the Bible, it says that these signs will follow Yeah, those who believe. Like, this is the first time where, like, we were so genuinely, like, going after love and loving on them that the sign healing, it just, it followed. It just happened naturally because that was our motivation. Our motivation was love. Yeah. And the Bible says that faith is activated through love and through faith and through love, you know, the signs follow. And so that's just like a one little adventure that we had, you know, like Walmart. We would go every week out there. We would go, you know, Africa, what God did. There was just so much growth. And I know that even so many people that know you, Max, growing up personally. Yeah. <laughs> you're definitely one of the one of the quietest kids that anybody knows, oh, yeah. the shyest of all. And But yeah, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. I thank God for those times where I was quiet mm-hmm. because without that. Um, time in my life where I was quiet, I would not have that testimony of God revealing his, his power uh, in me as I begin to, you know, transition from being this quiet kid to being this bold man. And right. now when people look at my life, the only thing that they could, you know, explain what happened to me was only because of God. It was only God. Yeah. It was that now they look at you and now they're even more encouraged. Like if, if God, if Max can step out so boldly, I mean, there's probably older people that look at you like, is that the same Max? Like, I know that Max, that the went in the same church as you for 20 years, probably never heard you say a single word. And now, the, oh, yeah. and now you're out there, you know, starting up, starting up ministries and stuff. And they're like, yeah. if the it's Lord actually, can work through him, what am I doing? You know, it's actually kind of funny because a couple of days ago, I, I went to the gym just for the first time in a long time. 24? Yeah, 24. And I happened to see one of my friends, like one of my close friends from high school. Mm. I haven't seen in a while. And I literally came up to him and I'm just like this bold guy now, just, you know, walking up to him. And both him and his friend, he also went to the same high school as me. Mm-hmm. They gave me, they, don't, they had like a confused look on them as if like, are we looking at the same Max? Yeah. Like, is this the same person that we saw in high school? I don't remember you. Cause yeah. I don't know if like a lot of people know, but in high school, you know how you have those, you know, senior awards in high school, right? Yeah. So one of the awards was, you know, being the shyest kid in high school. <laughs> and I happened to receive that award. 
<laughs> and honestly, I don't know why I ripped it up. I wish I still had it to sh- like show it as a testimony mm-hmm. because I'm like, dude, I could have used that just to you right. know, glorify God. Yeah. But can you share more on like how, how did God personally deal out with you of having you become more bold and um, stepping out more from that place of being, you know, just you know, yeah. shy like that and fear of man and all that, you know, during evangelism. You want to share more on that? I think the biggest thing was getting into the word of God mm-hmm. because the word of God reveals like who you truly are. Right. Like who Christ has made you to be. Yeah. So for me, I was a like um, easily deceived by the enemy because I didn't know the truth. Mm-hmm. But once you get to know the word of God, it's like, it doesn't matter what the enemy says anymore. You, you now, you now know who you are. Um, because you know, you've gotten to know the word of God, right? The word of God reveals who you truly are Mm -hmm. and like who God has made you to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember Mm -hmm. even for me personally, I, I I was definitely more on the quiet side too. And well, still kind of am if I'm honest, but I remember one moment in my life, like I was also, I, I was in the word and I'm seeing like the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives yeah. in you. You know, you, you have a spirit without measure. And like, for like, it was just so highlighted to me. I'm like, what's been given to me? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what? Like, why is this something that we're taking lightly, you know, in my heart? And I was like, I realized in my heart, this is what I would tell myself. I'm like, without Christ, what am I? Without Christ, I'm just a shy kid, depressed. Who knows what I'm, I don't know where I'm going in this life. I don't know what's happening. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. But I was like, but in Christ, look what's been given to me. Yeah. Like, without him, what am I? But with him, you can't stop me, yeah. you know? And, and it was that, you know, my ship. I, I love, like, w- one of the heroes of faith, Smith Wigglesworth, he said, like, this is, he's like, this is a key to victorious Christianity. He's like, you need to understand how helpless you are without Christ. He's like, he's like, you need to really understand how helpless you are without him. He's like, but on the same side, mirroring that, he's like, you need to understand how beautiful you are in him. That's the key to victorious Christianity. It's like knowing that Christ without you, literally, like there's nothing I have to offer. Outside of Jesus, there's nothing good to offer. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, it says, outside of Jesus. But with him. Man, his spirit without measure, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Are you, like, what can I not do? Yeah. And it's having that, like waking up every day and be like, because of you, Christ, now I can be victorious. Now people can receive healing through me in their heart, yeah. physically, whatever it is. If I'm that open vessel of you, you know, flowing through me, there's nothing I can't do. Yeah. And, you know, one of the specific verses that, you know, changed my life, I tell this to everybody, is in uh, Ephesians 3.20. You know, it says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly mm-hmm. abundantly above all that we can ask or think, exactly. according to his power that is working in us. Yeah. A lot of times people think that they have to be, you know, have some kind of ability to begin to step out. But I tell people, it's not your ability. It's God's ability working through your availability. Right. That's what I tell people. Like, you don't need to be able. We mm-hmm. serve a God who is able to do more than we can ask or think according to his power. And it's not our power. Like, we don't have to be able to do it. Yeah. Like, literally, his spirit lives inside of us. Yeah. Yeah. And I, d- I, definitely th- I definitely understand that there's that practical side of, like, something that God does inside of you. It's something he did inside of me a long time ago. But for that to become a reality now stepping out, like, you know, in our life every day, it, it, it takes... It's a, 
as a human, it, it's a process because still, I remember our first time was going out to evangelize. It was like, yeah. we, I remember even like our very first evangelism. Were you there? Like that, what was it called? He said, this, he said they were the black Hebrew Israelites. That's what the like religion is called. Okay, yeah, I remember yeah. That. Do you remember? Th- this guy knew the Bible better than all of us. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like laying it down on us. He made us look like we're stupid. And the thing is, it, might, it seemed like a failure at the time. Like we ended up talking to him for like over an hour. Like, and the whole time he just like going, like he's like he's like, hey, you guys sticking me aside? Well, he's like, now you better stick around. And he just starts going. Yeah. And and like he knew Bible verses like off the top of his head. We're, we're like looking it up. Like, oh shoot. He's like, you guys are here evangelizing to me. You don't even know the Bible. Like, yeah. you know, like he just going off, and we're like. You know, I mean, and we we're just learning, you know, and it's a, it's something that we had to go through and it wasn't like a failure, but it was something that, you know, encouraged us like, hey, there's we need to grow in this. Like we need to learn like like w- what are our motivations going in? Like like how much do I actually understand about this? Like it just encouraged us to grow. So something that happens inside of you, like I believe like there's a, you know, in the you might have read in the Bible, like, OK, like. You know, he can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what I can think or imagine. But now there's that practical lifestyle, you know, that you got to live out. There's this obedience that you got to have to actually step out in that boldness. And there's yeah. still fear of man. There's still things that, you know, you know, let's be honest, all of us, you know, go through. It's like, like we have such awesome testimonies of evangelism. But then, you know, after work, you're kind of like, man, I want I want to go again. But your flesh is just like, nah kind of tired honestly yeah. i don't know if i want to so there's just a practical reality of obedience that we need to walk out in so um you recently you started you know going out to yakima and all that yeah to the indian reservation do you want to share on that how like god birthed that in you and like how you led you there yeah so actually it started i think right after coronavirus hit. and i keep telling everybody that as soon as coronavirus started that's when my life just completely started changing in a good way. Even more so. Yeah, even more so. I begin to step into a season of growth. And kind of what God was showing me in that season is like, you know what I'm doing right now? He's like, I'm taking, I'm taking you know, everything away from you. Like I'm closing everything down, like the gym, all these things in your life to all that you have left is just you and me in that secret place. Because mm-hmm. everything can shut down. But one thing that will never shut down is that secret place right. with God. So God's like, I want to, I want you to use this opportunity just to spend time with me and just grow with me. Mm-hmm. So I began to do that. And I remember just one of the times in, uh, when I was in my secret place, which is my room, I was listening, you know, I just, I usually have worship on whenever I'm doing prayer. And one of these songs uh, came up, it's called none but Jesus right. by Hillsong United. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking you know, about this a little bit ago, <clears throat> but there's this verse in uh, that song that says, and when you call, I won't refuse. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. I don't know if it was when you call, I won't delay or when right. you call, I won't refuse. Mm-hmm. And I began to sing this and God was like, do you actually mean this? Mm-hmm. Like when you sing these lyrics. So I just began to you know, be real with myself. I'm like, God, when you call, am I actually not refusing? Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to step out every single time that you call me? And so I just began to, you know, go into the season of my life. I'm like, God, I just want to, like every single time you call, I want to just be obedient to you. Because just knowing what Jesus did for me and, you know, what he did on the cross, I'm like, God, how could I stay the same? Mm-hmm. So I just begin to step in the season where I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to just pay attention 
to when you're speaking and uh, like just be attentive to where you're trying to lead me. And I just begin to be obedient to God in the small things. I begin to um, just go out, step out, evangelize just in you know Vancouver, Portland, just small acts of obedience. And then I remember uh, one of the Tuesday night prayers. I was, uh, we have a prayer at Church of Truth, um, Tuesday night prayers. And uh, one of our guys from Church of Truth, his name is Tim Blagy. He started leading prayer and he kind of, he started praying about how um, our pastor, Pastor Sergey, he was prophesying about like somebody going out to the Indian reservations. Mm-hmm. And I remember for a couple of years, he was prophesying about that. Yeah, he was for a couple of years, he was prophesying that. And I remember, you know, hearing it the first time. And I remember like, I, you know, I felt this, you know, leading to go there the first time I heard it, but it kind of just went away, just kind of disappeared. But then at this Tuesday night prayer, Tim brought it up again. And he's like, somebody here, like God is calling to the Indian reservations and like our, our pastor, he prophesied that somebody will start stepping out, you know, and going out there. I just begin to just feel this fire, like the Holy Spirit come upon me. Mm. And God's like, you got to go. Mm. Like, and I'm like, God, I promise you, God, that when you called that I won't refuse. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, God, I'm going to go wherever you want me to go. Like yeah. I'm a living sacrifice now. Yeah. And it's interesting because remember me, you and Will, we planned it like three times, like yeah, a year before that. We planned like three different trips. Like, okay, we're just going to get in our car. We're going to go. We already had the set date. And then like the Saturday came up and it just did not work out. We never did go. I remember it was like, yeah, we always want to go out there and just never work. But here you see like, then. but you definitely notice that it's God's timing now, right? That like it was just Holy Spirit that in that moment drew you in where you just couldn't at that point already like refuse. Like you felt the Holy Spirit on it. He spoke to you. There was that obedience in the little things every single day of your life. And then now Holy Spirit speaks and you got to be honest. Like, am I actually willing to go out there? Yeah. Am I actually willing? So he spoke to you and yeah. So after he spoke to me that same night, I called up one of my friends. His name is Ilya Stepenko. You guys know him pretty well. Uh, So I called him and then I also uh, called Tim because he was the one that was, you know, praying about it during service. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude. For some reason, I feel like God is drawing me and just he wants me to go to the Indian reservations. So the next day, without knowing where we're going to go, what we're going to do, I'm like, we're just going to drive. We're going to go there. And so that morning we woke up, we started driving. I literally just placed the pinpoint in the middle of Yakima, uh, the Indian reservation. Mm-hmm. I had no idea where we're going. I'm like, God, you just lead us to wherever you want, you, know, you want us to go because you're the one that, you know, was drawing me here. So obviously there's something that you want to do there. Right. So we just begin to driving and we happen to pull up to this village, um, the small little like homeless commune uh, out of nowhere. We literally just pulled to the side and we happened to find this place. Mm-hmm. You guys found it, and then what? Uh, where did it kind of go from there? Th- this was you said in what in like May, um, March or when did COVID first? This hit? was I think July. Qu- quarantine first hit end of March. I think it was like three so months after. Um, in July, COVID. you guys were out there. Uh, July was the okay. It was one of the July uh, prayers okay. that we had. Either June or July, one of those. 
So four months ago yeah. was the first time you guys stepped foot in there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, and how did you guys end up like you know from there? Going from there. Um, just want to be sure that like the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Just kind of share briefly on you know how you guys. Yeah. So we just what you got going on there. Actually, so before we entered this village, I forgot this couple other stories that you know before we end up in this village. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were driving the reservation, and literally it was just all desert. Like right. there's nobody to be seen. I'm like, there's no natives here. And even if there was, I'm probably gonna have to, you know, park the car to the side of the road and just start walking for miles and miles and, until I find somebody, you know, mm-hmm. and just do like a four mile hike just to see somebody. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you know, we were just desperate. Like any person that we saw at the, like on the side of the road, we were just gonna stop by and, you know, talk with them. Mm-hmm. And then I remember we were driving and we see this RV uh, just on the side of the road and we're like, dude, let's stop. Mm. So we stopped, we got out of the car and we started going to this RV and we knock on this RV. Nobody answered. And then, you know, we, kn- we knocked again. Nobody answered again. And then we just decided to wait there for a couple minutes. And then finally this guy comes out of the RV. He's like, He's like, you guys get the heck out of here. If you guys don't get out of here, I'm going to take out my shotgun and shoot you guys. Mm-hmm. And so he shut the door. I look at Ilya. I'm like, oh, okay, let's just, let's just go back into our car and keep going. <laughs> but then Ilya, he's like, no. And this guy, he had his window open in his Cold. RV. And he's like, just began yelling through his window. He's like, hey, Jesus loves you. <laughs> Jesus died for you. And he just started beginning to you know, share the simple gospel with him mm-hmm. uh, you know, through his open window. <laughs> Bold. And then... Five minutes later, this guy's like, if you guys don't get out, I'm actually going to take out my shotgun right now and shoot you guys. So I was like, okay, we planted the seed. Let's get out of here. Let's keep driving. <laughs> She's been planted. Yeah. So yeah. We, we kept driving. Still barely any people over there. And then finally, we pull up to the side of the road again. We see like these two natives. Um, and this guy, he was just super drunk. Mm-hmm. Like he was just out of his mind. Like the moment we started talking with him, like we knew, like I don't know if we're gonna have a good conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And but long story short, um, we tell um, we, we actually pull off to the side of the road, and our strategy was to you know act like we we're asking for directions. Mm-hmm. But you know after we asked him for directions, we're like, hey man, so we actually we don't really need directions. <laughs> what we actually want to do. Is give you direction. Is give you direction for your life. No. <laughs> that would have been good, but no, that's not what we said. You'll uh, use that next time. Yeah, we'll use that next time. But um, yeah, so we're like, we actually just wanted to tell you about Jesus. You know, we drove all the way here from Portland and we believe like, you know, God wants to tell you that he loves you, he cares for you, and he died for you. But this guy, he was just super drunk. I'm not sure if he remembered or not. But one thing I remember is like after, you know, we talked to him, he takes out pepper spray and just points it directly at my eye. And he's like, do you know what this is? I'm like, yeah, that's a pepper spray. You should probably you know, put that back in your pocket. <laughs> and he just hands it to his wife. And yeah, that was interesting. So the first two people that we encountered at the reservation, they both threatened to kill us. And I feel like in a way, or not kill us, like the pepper spray wasn't going to kill us, but yeah. 
both the people were trying to threaten us. Their hearts were kind of closed, to yeah. say the least. Yeah, and I feel like the enemy was just trying to scare us and get mm-hmm. away, get us away from the reservation because mm-hmm. he he knew what was coming. Right. So, yeah, I remember you you were even sharing. It seems like the first, well, even for the for a while, you guys would go like every week, pretty much, or like once every few weeks, right? Yeah, and then. It just seemed like you weren't getting anywhere, anywhere. And then like it came to that point where, where, where was that moment of like kind of breakthrough? You feel like where you guys started to already like gaining more traction and whatnot. Like even right now, like how is it all going out there for you guys? Oh, right now compared to how it was, dude, it's so much more different, mm. man. Like the first couple trips that we went on, I feel like, like we were going to die every single time. Because there's times now we got attacked with scissors, we got attacked with rocks, we got attacked with pepper spray, guns, and this is like the first four trips. Mm-hmm. But right now, like the people over there see our consistency and they see that, you know, we actually care for them. Right. That we're not just going out there just to, you know, convert them and just, you know, come back home and tell people, oh, look how much people, you know, we got to share the gospel with. Mm-hmm. But they see that we genuinely care for them. Right. And they begin to notice that love that we have for them. Mm-hmm. And right now, every single time that we come there, they're not threatening us anymore, but they're actually so excited to see us. Right. Like I go over there and they're like, dude, like we've been waiting for you guys for like two weeks now. Like where, you ha- where, where have you guys been? Uh-huh. Like they're actually like waiting for the next time for us uh-huh. to come over there. Yeah. And um, I remember you were sharing the testimony of what was his, the one who his life was changed in Lao. Most people at the reservation can't even believe that he's saved because of the life that he lived before. Oh, was always Swift. Swift, yeah, yeah Swift. Oh, man, that's my favorite testimony. Swift. He's actually, oh, man, God has, a, God has just given me a heart for this person. But, yeah, so you want me just to share a little bit about... <laughs> yeah, just share his okay. testimony real quick. Yeah, so his testimony. Uh, so one of the days we were at the reservation, um, usually there's natives just kind of scattered all over like the city that we go to. And I saw like these group of natives next to a tree, um, like a near a park. And I just happened to pull to the side of the road and I saw him sitting um, over there. And I just started just sitting down with him and started talking with him. I didn't even bring up like Jesus and Mm -hmm. whatever. I didn't start talking to him about the simple gospel yet. I just kind of just begin to show show him the love that I had for him mm-hmm. and show that I actually cared for him. I just started talking about like how his life has been and like, you know, how things been around here. And slowly he began to see that, you know, like how I truly, you know, genuinely cared for him. Right. And at that point it's like, dude, like something's up. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, what are you guys doing at the reservation? It's like, what are you guys doing here? <clears throat> I'm like, so I'm like, I, I just felt like, you know, God has placed a desire in my heart to come over here and just to tell you guys about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then he starts explaining this whole life story to me. And he kind of just told me, he's like, dude, that's kind of crazy. He's like the night before I looked up and I'm like, God, if you're real, you know, show it to me. Mm-hmm. And we happened to come the very next day. He said that. Wow. And he started explaining how recently eight he had eight family members who recently just died from COVID-19. Wow. And he said how things have been really rough out there. And he had like a whole bunch of gun wounds, uh, cuts, 
And he told me, he showed me on his left arm. He's like, every single time that I had a family member die, I cut myself on my left arm. Wow. And I saw over 30 cuts. Man. There's over 30 family members that he had in his life that died. And I just saw all those scars. I'm like, dude, I almost began to cry in that moment. Yeah. I'm like, that is, wow, Heavy. this guy has had a rough life. And he said the last uh, three months you know, of his life before we came there, uh, that he just felt broken. He felt empty inside. And he just, uh, when I was just sitting next to him, he was like, you know, punching, punching the ground. I asked him, what is he doing? He's like, I just feel like I'm just digging a hole. Like, I'm just like, everything that's happened in my life is just digging a hole in my life. It's like, and nothing is able to fill me up. So at that moment, I just asked him like, dude, can I just pray for you? And I pray for him. And then he tells me he wants to receive Jesus. Wow. And the moment he received Jesus into his life, not only did he feel like this um, hole filled inside, like hole the was filled inside of him, but he said at the same time that all his pain from his wounds, his cuts, they all went away. Wow. And wow. he said he no longer had pain. Like, cause he told me like he was hurting like crazy. Like he mm -hmm. had gunshots, cuts in his hand. And he said all that pain went away. Man, God is good. And now they say that he's like one of the happiest people out there in the reservation walking around always full of joy and happy. Yeah. Like those three months before we came, he was the saddest person. But he said ever since we prayed for him, he's like, I can't stop smiling. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's like, Max, he tells me this every time. He's like, Max, I don't know what you did to me, but he's like, I can't stop smiling. And he's like, you see, he's like, you see this? He's like, I can't, I can't stop smiling. There it is. Enjoy the Lord. Yeah. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful, dude. Yeah. The lives that are being truly touched there right now. So what's like, as far as right now, like what's your guys' vision going forward? Where are you guys at? And just, yeah. Yeah. With, with the whole entire. So. You guys are natives for Christ. Yeah. And you guys, you just recently got a tent thanks to people coming in. Yeah, praise Donating. God. You got a tent now where you guys can gather a couple heaters. Winter is coming, so. You got to brace yourself for what's coming now out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like what was kind of your vision going forward with, uh, you know, ministry, short term, long term, just in general? Yeah. So right now, uh, like you said, we recently just bought a tent and we're planning to have tent services at the reservation. And we recently just got in contact with the pastor over there. Um, he has like a mostly native church over there. Mm. And we kind of just sat down and talked with him. And he told me how they used to pick up uh, youth from all around the reservation and bring them to their church. But because of um, you know, COVID-19, they don't want too much people at their church right now, so they stopped doing that. But I told him the idea that we're having about, about bringing a tent over there and doing service over there. And he, he loved the idea. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, like, how about you think it would be a good idea if you know, we start using your buses and start picking up the youth from all around uh, the reservation and start bringing them to the tent service because they don't have cars out there and they're all scattered right oh well, yeah because most of the natives um i mean they do receive money from the government but they use all their money uh like on drugs and alcohol right yeah so i we brought up this idea to him and he said he loved the idea he's gonna ask his pastor and we're hoping that um he's gonna like uh his the pastor above him is going to allow us to use the buses so we can start bringing the youth from all over the city uh, and bringing them into these tent services. Wow. 
But this is yeah the kind of direction that we're going into right now is just starting doing 10 services around there. And then every single person that gives their life to Jesus, we're going to start trying to plug them in into um, this guy's church over there. Wow. That's powerful. So we see uh, the shyest kid, someone who gets the shyest kid award to somebody who grew in the Lord. And now and now is out there every single week, every couple of weeks. <clears throat> bringing natives to Christ and seeing where Holy Spirit is taking them even further. Yeah, that's powerful, Max. That's so awesome. Um, definitely, I still need to go with you one of these times. Yeah, I'm actually excited to go see what God's gonna do. Um, definitely, definitely a journey that we go through, and yet as you look back, you begin to realize that it was in those in the simple obedience and the simple things of stepping out regardless of what you were feeling that day, regardless of the fear of man, regardless of what they said about you when you were, you know, mm -hmm. in high school, regardless what you think of yourself even. Open up that word and see, like, what does God say about me? Yeah. Who does God say? I remember that was one of our assignments. They're like, look up, you know, in the Bible, who does God say I am? Like, well, who are we in Christ? Yeah. Get rooted in what the Bible says you are, not, not in what the people, not what your parents said you were. Now what the school said you were, get rooted in who you are, begin to step out, even if there's fear. And like one of the biggest motivators even now, it's like, it's already looking back, there's already testimonies that only motivates you for more. Mm -hmm. If God did it once, he's going to do it again. If God transformed this life, he could do it again. If he did it in me, he'll do it in that person. If God, you know, transformed Swift's life, yeah, how much more is he going to, you know, transform their life? And so... Definitely so much that we can take away, especially if there's young people listening to this. You know, this isn't something that's only, you know, for the super, it's such a simple concept. And it's in this constant, it's a persistent thing, right? Yeah. It's been four years now since we did Bible school. You know, the, the life that you live every single day after that, it's what you do with the sermons that you hear, you know, outside of the four walls. It, it's, the, yeah. it's those little steps of obedience that leads you into, you know, bigger destiny moments and divine encounters like that, where God truly just leads us in and you see a life transformed and one after another. And it just, it'll just, you just see it growing exponentially, right? Like there's people coming in and donating, you know, for the time. There's people that people will want to get involved in the vision once they begin to see the fruit. Once people see the fruit of it, that's your job is just to step out regardless, you know. Yeah. You, you didn't have any resources at the time. You didn't know. You just pinpoint on the map and just go send it. Use me. Holy Spirit, all he needs is an available vessel. He just needs someone that says, here I am. It actually goes and he'll work through you. And there's no fear. There's nothing in him. So yeah. that, that's so powerful. I mean, even I'm encouraged even more. Max, it was so awesome having you. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing. Thank you for um, having me on here. Yeah, everyone that's listening, go follow Natives for Christ on Instagram. Go donate into their ministry. Uh, you, we see the fruit, and it's only going to grow all the more. There's there's so many people out there that still need to hear the gospel, and it's right here in our own, you know, in our own back door, just literally right here. Yep. You don't need it. The borders might be closed. You might not be able to fly on missions. We got it right here. You know, you got enough broken people in Portland. We got... It's probably a bigger need even here in the spiritual than, you know, yeah. than it is out there. So um, be encouraged, guys, and become a part of what God's doing. And we love you, and we hope you're encouraged.